0: This is On The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com, on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day everyone, and welcome to another episode of On The Grid, here on mypodcasthouse.com, or on the Radio Show Limited's RS1. Thank you so much for joining us, really appreciate your company again this week. Very shortly, Mark Walker and Richard Crail have a chat with Tim Slade about a fantastic weekend he had, at Sydney Motorsport Park last weekend, week two of four at Sydney Motorsport Park before the final race, of course, of the season, the Bathurst 1000. Speaking of the Bathurst 1000, the grid has been pretty much uh, secured. Now all the drivers have been announced for all the teams and it might be time to quickly go through them for you for Shell V-Power racing. Anton Di Pasquale and Tony Dalberto will match up in the number 11 car. Will Davison and Alex Davison in the 17 car. For Red Bull Ampol Racing, Shane Van Gisbergen and Garth Tander in the 97. Jamie Winkup and Craig Lowndes in the 88s. Cam Waters and James Moffat will be in the Monster Energy Racing car. Number six and the number five car, Jack LeBrock and Zach Best, also in his bathurst debut. That is the truck assist racing car. James Courtney and Thomas Randall in the Boost Mobile Tickford Racing Entry, number 44. Number three, Tim Slade will team up with Tim Blanchard in the Cool Drive Racing Unit. Number two car will be Bryce Forward. He'll team up with Warren Luff, a veteran of Bathurst, Mobile One Mini Racing Car. And the Mobile One Appliances Online Racing Car is Chas Mostert. And Lee Holdsworth, the number 25. The number nine Erebus racing car, Shoreham Partners, is Will Brown and Jack Perkins. And the 99 is Brody Kostecki and Dave Russell in the Boost Mobile Erebus racing car. Scotty Pye teams up with James Golding in the number 20 DeWalt racing car. And the Irwin Racing number 18 car is Mark Winterbottom, Michael Caruso. Dave Reynolds with an asterisk next to him. More about that in a sec. Teaming up with Luke Yulden. In the Penwright Racing number 26 car, Andre Heimgartner and Matty Campbell together in the Ned Whiskey Racing car. Number seven and number eight is Nick Percat and Dale Wood for the R and J Batteries Racing entry from Brad Jones Racing. Also in in the Brad Jones Racing car, Todd Hazelwood, Todd Hazelwood and Dean Fiore in the number 14 car. Jack Smith and Ash Walsh. Team up in the SCT racing car, the number four car, while Macaulay jones and Chris Pither Team up in the Coca-Cola racing car, the 96. Fabian Coulthard and Jonathan Webb in the local Legends racing team, Sydney car, and in the other team, Sydney car, the 22, Gary Jacobson and Dylan O'Keefe racing together there. Jake Kostecki and Kirk Kostecki in the unit racing car, the 34, and Zane Goddard and Jane Jayla in the yellow cover racing car, the 35, and the two wild cards Brock Feeney and Russell Ingall in the Super Cheap Auto Racing Car, the number 39 and number 51 car. Of course, 51 goes synonymous with Greg Murphy and Richie Stanaway in the Boost Mobile Erebus Racing Wildcard. So there you go. Those uh, are the team ups for, and the matchups, I should say, the partnerships for the Bathurst 1000. And uh, as we mentioned, 2 uh, we're still waiting to hear what is going to happen with uh, Dave Reynolds, the team waiting to see whether he'll be uh, fully vaccinated. He's already had one jab, the next jab expected to happen before Bathurst, but then he still needs to get clearance from the Department of Health at uh, New South Wales. So uh, the team waiting for all that to happen before they can confirm that Dave Reynolds will be a starter in the Bathurst 1000. We had an interesting Formula One race in Mexico on the weekend and we head off to Brazil in the Interlagos Race this week in Sao Paulo And of course Dale Rogers
1: has this preview for us Dale Thanks Tony Over two weekends Formula 1 has played to Sunday crowds Well in excess of 140,000 people Add to that the three day totals And the attendance in North America and Mexico Has been in excess of 600,000 Not bad for a series long Considered to struggle to gain a foothold in this region But Mexico is very special The stadium section which sees the cars Wind their way in and out back onto the Main straight was actually a baseball stadium until 2014. The crowd's amazing, engaged and just having a great time. Then throw in local hero Sergio Perez and it goes right off. The adulation of Perez was even more intense than Hamilton and Silverstone and on par with Max at Zandvoort which we saw earlier this year. And Perez gave the fans a lot to cheer about with a strong third place and a late race hunt down of Lewis who eventually came second in the Mercedes. But once again, it was Max Verstappen's Red Bull that showed the absolute domination of the race. After qualifying, it looked like the Red Bull Hondas would not be a match for the Mercedes. But Verstappen made a brilliant start with a superb double pass around the outside into Turn 1, after which he was never really challenged due to a race pace advantage the Red Bull brought to the Mexican track. His slipstream run to Turn 1 was made even easier by Bottas, who appeared to break early, leaving a space that needed no more of an invitation for Max to fill. Another brilliant starter was our own Daniel Ricciardo who had drilled the McLaren down the inside but locked up uh, and looked set to actually to take fourth or possibly even third on the first lap. A slowing Bottas and a locked up Daniel spelled disaster for both, Bottas facing the wrong way and Ricciardo heading back to the pits with no front wing. More chaos behind saw Sonoda's Alpha Tauri in mid-air in, and uh, Mick Schumacher parking the Haas after a fairly handy starting position for him. Verstappen controlled the race and forced Hamilton into an early pit stop on lap 29. His tyres completely shot. Max stayed out for another four laps. While this was going on, Perez sent the crowd even crazier by leading the race for 11 laps. But Verstappen was able to totally control the second half of the race and cruised to a 17-second win over Lewis Hamilton. Perez was third, with Pierre Gasly back in fourth, over a minute behind the winner. Gasly is doing a stellar job in the AlphaTauri, Tauri, beating both Ferraris home. Sebastian Vettel drove a very solid race into seventh, and Lando Norris came from a good penalty to finish in tenth and pick up a point. Verstappen now leads Hamilton by 19 points as we head to Brazil, a very, very handy lead. The Constructors' Championship, though, though is another story, with just one point separating the two big guns, with Mercedes clinging to that lead. As I said, next stop, Brazil, Tony. We'll be looking forward to uh, that one, and then on to Qatar in a triple header.
0: Speak to you next week.
1: Cheers. And before we hear from our special guests,
0: we need to remind you all of an offer from our great friends at Doric, who are proud partners of On The Grid and The Race Talk. Doric are giving On The Grid listeners 25% off any orders of their massive range of hardware on their new online shop. Just go to doric.com.au forward slash shop and use the promo TRT at checkout. Now, Doric are great supporters of motorsport and have been involved in the sport for 17 years. So help us support one of the brands keeping the wheels turning. Doric, sponsors of theracetalk.com and On The Grid. Now, here's Carlsey and Mark Walker with special guest, Tim Slade. Well, if you scroll down the list of the Sydney Cup points
2: score in eighth position, there's a great story and a great friend of ours as well. It's cool to have. Cool Drive Racing's Tim Slade on the grid. Again, Sladey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for jumping on and congratulations, mate, and a great couple of weeks for you in Sydney. Uh,
3: Thanks, mate. I I don't think I've been on before. I think this is my first time.
2: Oh, really? Oh, okay. Well, anyway, welcome to the show. (laughs) Thanks for jumping on for the first time. Hey, mate, congratulations. But before we dive into the last couple of weeks and the great form that you and the Blanchard Racing team are in, can we talk, please, about race 25 on Sunday night because it was insane and you were right in the thick of it with uh, the best bit of three-wide touring car action we've seen for a long time. Can you just talk us through that little move you made around the outside of turn three and turn four?
3: Yeah, um, you know, it was it was good fun. Um, it was only fun, though, because the car was, was – quite good and, and pretty speedy and kind of knew that straight away. It's a bit hit and miss in, in the wet sometimes just with, you know, depending on whether you get the, the tire pressures right or not. So I kind of knew at turn one that um, that the thing um, had decent amount of grip compared to everyone else or, you know, the people that I was around. So yeah, made made some moves at the start. And then, um, yeah, with the, the situation that you were talking about um did, did wheel come out of the pits with? or sorry, did both wheels come out of the pits at the same time? Yeah, so they, they come out cold tires and I, I'd done my pit stop a few laps earlier. Um, we just did rears, but I knew that um, you know with them cold it actually took a little a little while for them to, to come up to temp. so um, yeah, I knew my best opportunity to get by would have been um, straight away. so I just kind of did everything I could to, um, to make that happen and um, yeah I guess just circumstance. Um, those guys ended up where where they did and, um, yeah, had a bit more grip at turn two. So I sort of turned down the inside of, uh, of Will Davo and then I knew around the outside of three um, was kind of the place to be to, to carry momentum, a bit of a more traditional wet line, which doesn't get used so much at turn three now with the new surface. Um, but yeah, it was, it was good fun. I was just hoping that, uh, that, that the other wheel Brown um, saw me there and I was kind of ready to be pushed off onto the dirt just cause I know, you know, the visibility is, is so low. So um, yeah, it was a, uh, was a bit of fun.
4: On that, how was the visibility at night with the glare? It was a lot of chat before the race, how hard it would be to see? How, what was it like?
3: um it actually wasn't or i had a windscreen wiper that worked for Mm. two or three laps and then it stopped working (laughs) so um yeah while the windscreen wiper worked and when the rain wasn't as bad it wasn't as wet at at the start obviously uh the vision was actually relatively good there there were a few sort of slightly dark spots and, and a few spots where you know when you had water on the screen, it was really hard to see through, um, from the glare from the lights. So yeah, it was definitely, it was super tricky, you know, once a windscreen wiper stopped. So did the majority of, of the race with no wiper. Um, but yeah, I guess it was, it was made a little bit easier. Um, like I said before with, with the car being, being good. Um, but yeah, definitely I couldn't sort of quite maximize, you know, what I what I had underneath me just because I, I couldn't see the edge of the track in, in a few spots and some brake markers were hard to pick and and then even, you know, sort of that the second apex at turn two, you sort of come up over the crest there and you just get blinded by the the lights and and the glare, you know, from the, the water on the screen. So um, yeah, we we uh, kept it on the black stuff and and got through. <laughs>
2: It's funny the, the post-race interviews the more the further up the field they interviewed the the more people were likely to go yeah let's restart the race, let's go uh, If you were down in 20th position I think everyone was pretty happy the, uh, the red flag drop Was that the right call yeah. though do you think to, to call it where it was?
3: Um, I mean when, when we were at speed there was no aquaplaning down the straight or anything like that there was just some rivers. I guess, yeah, the, the river at one was was pretty sketchy. I mean, even in the wet, it's a pretty fast corner. Mm. Um, you know, you sort of top gear still down the straight and, you know, you sort of go just go down one extra gear. You're still in fourth gear. It's pretty fast when you tip it in there. Um, so that, that was probably, I mean, there is a big runoff there, but, you know, we obviously saw a car in in the fence there. Um, and, you know, the rain wasn't letting up and then we're obviously on safety car as well. So when you're just trundling around behind the safety car, the more water you get on the track essentially there's no wind so the water just goes up comes back down so i think you know when when the safety car got deployed it was probably still fine to race then but if we were to go green i think after spending a few laps on the safety car we would have been pretty sketchy so yeah i mean i would have obviously given it a crack i wasn't you know screaming on the radio one way or the other but mm. um i definitely if we restarted it would have been pretty cautious just you know uh, thinking about the rivers that, that we're running across some of the corners.
4: Do you reckon by the end of week four, you've had enough of Sydney Motorsport Park?
3: Week four or week one? Week <laughs> one. No, no, no. I mean, yeah, we got, we got to be positive about it. Um, I think, uh, you know, it's just, it's awesome that we can get back racing, um, get our championship, you know, run and one there really was no alternative. Um, you know, everyone in pit lane would have loved to have gone to a few different tracks, but it's just, you know, it's a circumstance that we're in. Um, so I, I think no matter kind of what track it is for four weekends there, you'd, you'd definitely rather spread it out at other places, but um yeah, we've got a test day there as well in between the third and fourth one, so I think uh, Timmy B will be doing a fair few of those laps.
2: <laughs> yeah, under the guise of some co-driver practice, but, uh, yeah, you, you have the day off. Um, Since race 12 at the Bend, you've only missed the top 10 on three occasions. It, it's a great, great strike rate, and you guys are putting in an awesome second half of the season. What, what's – why? Uh, what What's delivered this increase in performance? Is it a question of – everyone just yelling after a couple of rounds and a, a tough start to the season, which we don't need to dwell on anymore. Uh, or, you know, is it a building progress? What What do you put down to this really, really solid run of results that you're stringing together now in the back half of the year?
3: Probably a bit of everything, to be honest. Um, you know, the the guys did a phenomenal job um, to put it all together in, in such a, a short space of time, you know, basically there was nothing, in know, well this time last year and then to turn up, you know, at Bathurst with, um, with a team, um, you know, and, and a car that was as fast as, as what it was. Um, so yeah, I mean, we obviously had really great potential from, from the very first round and then, yeah, the, the next, few weeks the guys just didn't stop so basically didn't stop from you know this time last year building the workshop getting to Bathurst you know everything was was brand new um then you know everything like the truck included you know we we got that that that's an ex uh DJI truck but even that had a you know a massive berth that had the sides ripped out of it and everything else so um yeah literally it was formed from from nothing pretty much so and then yeah, with the with the build of the second car, the guys yeah didn't get any any rest between the first and second round. And then it's probably just the, a bit of the the first few rounds was probably just the lack of staff. Um, you know, we're having to fly in a you know different people um, to the to the first few different rounds. Um, and yeah, I think that's you know when some mistakes creep in just when you have different people. Um, you know, coming coming in and out. So, even the first the first you know, well, sorry, the the next two or three rounds after Bathurst, we, we still had like really quite good potential at just mm. at different stages throughout the weekend. But we just, you know, there are a number of reasons why we didn't you know get the result on paper. But for me, I kind of I knew it was a matter of um, you know kind of when, not if. And yeah, um, I guess pit stops as well. Like you know, I think there was a few races there, sort of. Tassie where we, you know, we could have been in the back half of the of the top ten had we, you know, have not lost time in the pits. But again, that's to be expected when you got, you know, weekend warriors coming in and you don't get an opportunity to practice, you know, back in the workshop. And that, you know, that that still is an issue that that's hurting us. But, you know, that that's all part of, you know, building a, a new team. You can't, I guess, have it all overnight. If it, if it was easy, everyone would do it. Um, but you know you're up against guys that have had the same crew for for a number of years. Um, so then, yeah, I, I think just a, a bit of you know that that sort of team side of things, but also you know the car for me is is different. The car for Mirko is is different as well to to what you know he um, had at Erebus. So it's probably just us understanding the car and and you know working together. That that relationship is new as well. So. Um, yeah, I think the Sunday of and Ben, we kind of worked out a little bit what we needed from it to, to get the speed out of it. And I mean, even that was a bit of a, an unlucky weekend for us. Uh, I think, you know, we could have quite easily had three, um, you know, top tens. And, and who knows if there was the possibility of a podium, given we were the starting third and, and we, we had a really good start. So yeah, I think there's, even though, you know, we, we've probably looked pretty good, I, I still think there's there's been a lot of missed opportunities in in the first half of the year so um yeah it's probably uh all of all of that stuff (laughs) now
4: one car outfit obviously the the yardstick i think for you guys would probably be Tickford next door and these last couple of weekends you've really shown some great results compared to what that three car outfit have been able to do is there any sort of engineering crossover between tickford and the blanchard racing team or are you just sort of going your own
3: um, yeah, so, yeah, we do have, um, uh, you know, an ex-Tickford car, Tickford Hardware, um, and we, we do have a, um, you know, technical relationship with them. But we, yeah, we, we do sort of, um, I guess, blaze our own trail. Um, you know, Mirko is an extremely smart guy, is, is a hardcore racer. Um, you know, for me, I couldn't ask for, for anyone better. So, you know, I'm super stoked to, to have him as my engineer. And, you know, he, he's confident, he backs himself. Um, so, yeah, you just sort of let him, not not let him, but, you know, everyone in the team has full confidence in him and, and letting him just do his own thing. Um, and I think, I don't know, based on previous experiences of, you know, multi-car teams, you're kind of only only going to be one step behind if you sort of copy other people, you know, they sort of progress and you're only ever going to find out about that stuff kind of after the session and always be one step behind. So, um, yeah, that's that's how it is. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, I guess, it's a way, like I said, based on previous experiences, um, it's a way I would want to, when you have such good engineering, Merco,
2: you guys, yeah, you talk about doing things differently. You've been the kings of the undercut as well this yeah. season. <laughs> Peeling off in pit lane ten laps before everyone else, and you emerge up the order. But you've got the uh, you've got the tire life to back it up, and and to bring the car home in a in a great result, which shows how well you guys are working together. Um. So the most remarkable thing, Sladey, I think, after zero points in round one, you're eleventh in the championship now, and you're not that far behind James Courtney. In tenth place, and then even then, there's only 90 odd points up to Frosty, who's ninth. So, do you now? And I know you don't go out there looking to finish tenth in the championship, but do you look at that and go, "Gee, if we can pull a top ten finish in our rookie year for a single car team in this unbelievably championship um, competitive championship in the middle of a pandemic, uh, that's got to be an enormous result and a big target for you guys, surely?"
3: Yeah, it, it is. It's it's funny actually. Obviously, just with the big break since Townsville and mm. heading into the first um, first round at, at City Motorsport Park, I, I kind of forgot that we were we – were, it, it is, like, really close in between that sort of 10th. Yeah. Uh, I think it was 15th or something. Like, I remember at Townsville one day I was, I think, 13th, and then the next day you were 16th. Just, you know, it had changed so much race on race. So, um, yeah. It's, it's definitely some, some extra motivation and especially, you know, having a couple of decent weekends and I can see, you know, how close we are to the 10. And, yeah, it's, it's a massive uh, motivating factor for me. Um, yeah, previous years, you, I don't know, you kind of think, you obviously want to be in the 10, but yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, you just want to chase as many trophies as you can kind of thing. But, yeah, for the reasons you stated before, just with it, being a brand new team and everything that's gone into it. And, you know, given the circumstance of, um, you know, the situation with, with staff and everything, it'd be, yeah, it'd be huge for us to, to finish in the 10. So, um, yeah, something I, I just want to, yeah, I guess, fly under the radar, keep going about our business. Um, yeah. Make sure we, um, keep doing everything, um, as good as we can. And, um, yeah, just keep those solid, solid results coming and, and hopefully we can, uh, can be in the 10 come uh, post-Bathus.
4: When your time was up with Brad Jones Racing, it looked like that might have been it for a full-time career. But, you know, to bounce back now and really the consistency of performances, like you've been mentioning, it's probably been the best you've had since about 2012. Did you, did you see that coming? Like, did you ever expect this would be a thing that could happen?
3: Um, yeah, I mean, but the first year at Brad's was, was quite good. Um, yeah, obviously with a couple of wins and we had, I think another one or two podiums throughout the year. And I think we were eight from the championship, um, that year. So, but yeah, as far as I, I, yeah, maybe I haven't had this, um, this long a run of, um, you know, I guess top 10 results and top fives and whatever else. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like I, I kind of said right from the very start that you know we've 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 ticked all the right boxes um, as, as a team. You know, just with some some good keep people, um, some pretty decent hardware, and yeah, I don't know. I couldn't see any reason why you know we, we couldn't achieve what what we were doing or what what we're doing now. But um, yeah it's it is a super tough competitive close championship so you know i'm i'm never one to you know predict race results or anything like that so to me it's not a it's not a massive surprise but if it was not as good as this it it wouldn't be a surprise either given you know uh, again the circumstance of being first year and you know relatively small operation
2: for sure tim we really appreciate you joining us last one uh Look ahead, uh, copy, paste, different tyre compounds, but that's about it going into weekend three. But I'm probably more interested into weekend four at Sydney where we go 250k racing. So there's some refuelling back in it as well. Are you looking forward to mix the formats up a little bit and and get some longer races to lead you into the big one at Bathurst?
3: Yeah, I I think, you know, as much as you can mix it up, um, the better when we're at the same track for four weeks. And I think, yeah, the rain was definitely a good thing last weekend. Um, just again to to mix it up I, I said uh, yeah when we first got there they should turn the sprinklers on for one of the races <laughs> or one of the weekends so we got that tick that off the list um, but yeah, I, I think it'll be cool um just the unknown with the the super soft tire for the fourth SMSB round um and then I, I do enjoy the the longer races it was cool at Townsville to do a couple of longer races yeah. again and you know there's less of an emphasis on you know pit stop time so that'll be um good for us in our our, our current situation Um, and for sure it'll be a good, good rehearsal. Um, Yeah. Heading, heading into Bathurst.
2: Mate, thanks for joining us. Um, We're not gambling people that much here on the, on the grid podcast, but uh, there might be a sneaky few bucks on you and Timmy Blanchard in the top 10 at Mount Panorama. I reckon it's a great combination and a great team. You're doing awesome things. Thanks for jumping on Tim. Really appreciate it. Best of luck this weekend and the weekend after, and then on the mountain in December.
3: No worries. Thanks, lads. Thanks for
2: having me. There's Tim Slade joining us here on The Grid.
0: This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. All right. Uh, great work, guys. Nice chat with Tim Slay there. He's, uh, of course, because he's been on The Grid, he in for a big weekend this weekend. Well, you'd like to think
2: so. You'd like to think it's not a curse. Our track record of missing news so far has gone... Uh, unchallenged for a couple of weeks now, which is terrifying. So something big's about to break. There's well, no, no doubt about pole. that. Yeah, yeah. But then the wheels literally fell off the wagon <laughs> in <laughs> race one. So Slady has a bad weekend. We're sorry. Look, it was. Uh, yeah, Tim's great. Speaks really well. Um, Mark and I were, were were thinking that he's he's sort of become a bit. Uh, what's the word, Mark? A bit philosophical. He's, he's very eloquent as always, but. Um, very thoughtful about where his career is at, I thought.
4: If you blindfolded me and put a slight filter over that voice, it could have been Will Doverson. It yes. just had that that sort of feel about it, which is great, because, you know, Will's in the exact same boat. You know, the mm. two of the veterans in adverted commas, and, you know, they're up there floating around the pointy end of the field. i
0: tell you what, though, it is tough for a, a one-car team to punch above its weight, and but they're, they're doing it not – they're doing it successfully while without making massive noise from the roof.
4: Well, there probably hasn't been a successful one-card team like this since Techno 2016, yeah. when you think about it. It's been five yeah. years since the single-card team's gone out there and, and punched hard, so all power to them. Yeah, good on them. Hey, uh, geez, rain makes a bit of a difference, doesn't it? Yeah, we bloody needed it,
2: didn't we? Because I, I think, and I think I speak for all of us when I say we got to the end of race 24 uh, and we were teased Saturday night and the rain never came. And, and that race was okay. Wasn't a thriller. And then race 24 on Sunday was, it was okay. I think we were just, it, it had been talked up so much as is prone to do on television. Um, and I think those first two races of the weekend had just never actually exploded into anything massive. They'd had big moments, but, they, they never went to the point of being, my God, this is compelling, uh, which is what the Sydney events 12 months ago did. But everyone's got that joint worked out now. Um, but Race 25, I will argue until I'm blue in the face that that is one of the most compelling. I'm not saying good or bad, but compelling bits of supercar racing since the end of Bathurst last year. Like that, that was just incredible television. Uh, And the TV ratings backed that up because they were enormous. But you could not look away for fear of what was to come or for excitement of watching something pretty impressive. And I thought it was really impressive. It was great, great motor racing.
4: I battled to watch it. It scared me. It scared me a lot. And as soon as the chequered flag fell, I, or the red flag fell, I went back and watched it again. You're right. Like those first two races, they left you a bit meh. Mm. Didn't they? Yep, yep. There was so much potential there for, for things to tee off, and it never really did. You know, it's a shame that Anton had his problems in qualifying there in that first race, uh, and qualified nowhere. It was a shame Chaz. Well, is actually probably pretty good there. Chaz in that last race uh, mm. got disqualified and came through from the from the rear. You know, Will Davison, how frustrated is he? He's so close to that breakthrough win, uh, yet so far away. Will Brown, the tears at Erebus, two yeah. weeks in, two mm. weekends in a row gutted for him because yeah. he deserved a result there. He probably should have won that race as well.
2: Do, do you know what Shebex, do you know what I think is going to happen here? We're talking about Will Davison.
0: Yeah.
2: Will Davison's going to win the Sydney Cup, right? He's going to win this 25 grand, just through consistency. Yeah. But, but he won't, he'll do it without winning a race. <laughs> is that brutal that I'm thinking of that? It's the kind of season that Will's having because he's in such good touch and he's driving so superbly is just as likely to go and be so through con- ruthless consistency, win the 25 grand for the most points over these four rounds, but he'll do it. He'll do it without winning a race. That's the kind of thing that would sum up his season in a
0: nutshell. And then he'll go and win Bathurst. But,
2: was, it Rick Kelly,
0: was it Rick Kelly or Russell Ingle who won a championship without well, winning a race?
2: Both, I think. No, they both won like one race. Like yeah, Rico won one race in history, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, Hmm. No, it's not at all. I'll tell you another guy that's going to put his hand up for that as well through consistency is uh, young Kostecki at Erebus. Not doing a bad job either. He's always been thereabouts.
4: Until he got fenced. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: (laughs) But he had a shocker as well, didn't he, after the the highs of Sydney one, like Brody delivered a 15th, sorry, 23rd, 20th, and then a DNF after the the Courtney shunt um, and jump. Jumped from 10th to jumped, dropped from 10th to 12th in the championship. Okay. This is something we talked about with, with Tim, is that that battle for 10th place, for and it's purely bragging rights, is properly good. So as it stands, you've got James Courtney on 1,306 points. Then you've got Tim Slade, 1,272, Brody Kostecki, 1,262, Heimgartner, who was, I think, really impressive in the wet on twelve twenty two. 12.05 is Scott Pye in 14th, and 11.92 is Todd Hazelwood in 15th position. So there's six guys covered by 120-odd points. Yeah, 110 points. 115. Anyway, um, that, that's a great fight. And I reckon that bragging rights to get in the top 10 is it's pretty serious. It doesn't mean anything. It, although, if you're Tim Slade and you're a single-car team, it absolutely does. If you finish 10th in this championship, that is a huge, huge outcome given the teams you're you're racing against. So it's going to be a really good fight to see. uh, I I think we'll, we'll follow this on TRT Mark. I think is we'll, we'll run a bit of a 10th place world championship graphic because that and the fight for third, they're the, they're the two worth watching.
4: So a couple more talking points from the weekend. Tickford didn't really pick things up. Obviously Courtney got a podium, but that was about it for them. Uh, you know, Waters was 8th, 13th, 8th again. That's mm. not good enough for Cam Waters. Like, especially, you know, all the hype after Townsville. Here he is, uh, 13th, 13th, 6th, 8th, 13th, 8th. That's not good enough. Uh, and the other one, too, you mentioned Will Davison, Davo versus SVG. Oh, yeah. Oh, he put yeah. good it sells tickets. That's what we want to see. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it was just a shame that Will never wound up on the inside of SVG at any stage later in the weekend and turned mm. him off. Because if, you know, that's fair game, that's uh, there's no penalties given, that's all fair and love and war, you can push people off the track, well, boys mm. have at it, don't you? Yeah.
0: yeah. I, I tell you another bloke that was extremely impressive, and uh, one of his current owners believes so also, Todd Kelly, uh, Luke Yildon. He was super impressive for his oh. debut drive as a 42-year-old. You look, struggled for
2: pace in the dry, as you would expect. But when it rained, he, mate, he was outstanding. Yeah. But both those Kelly Grove cars were very, very good in the wet for whatever reason that was. And it's not a strange thing because remember, there's been a bit of precipitation around when Anton won at the Bend Motorsport Park earlier this year. And Andre. He had been, uh, Andre, sorry, won at the Bend in race two of that weekend. So, yet clearly, those cars are either massively down on grunt, which you wouldn't really think they would be given. TK's experience in the engine department yeah. there. But um, whatever their chassis does, it's good in the wet. Maybe they're really soft, springy chassis and they're good in the rain <laughs> and no good in the uh, in the dry. Either way, it was a great performance from Andre. I thought he was very, very good. And look, Luke Yildon, twice qualified superbly well on the Sunday and then mm. recorded finishes of 17th and 11th. And there'd be some muscle memory experience there. There'll be some... You know, he's done plenty of laps in the rain in a supercar, but you're right. He was very, very good. Doesn't have the dry weather pace. I think he'd be the first to admit that and probably did in one of the interviews, but in the rain, when all gloves are off, um, I thought, yeah, impressive, good super sub. Certainly enough to step back into that car this weekend. I, I can't see them replacing him. Can you? Um, who who, who well, did Matt, he
4: replace? Who did he replace, by the way?
2: Oh, did I we he hear anything on that? No. No, you wouldn't know, would you? kind of glossed over that fact that uh, Luke Yildon
4: was replacing someone. Good Mm. grief. Mm. The only place you're going to read about it was on the Race Talk power rankings. He'll be
0: there until the end of the Sydney as as a sole driver. Well, my only other thought, Shebex,
2: is that uh, on the weekend, Matt Campbell finished his FIA World Endurance Championship schedule in Bahrain. Uh, He and Jackson Evans finished second over there in their Porsche. So my thought would be maybe that they run – Matt back for, uh, so maybe Luke does this this next weekend and Matt does the 250K races. Pretty good at the long distance stuff, turns out. And that way both your co-drivers are properly sharp for the big one, aren't they? Well, like they will have more miles than anyone else going into Bathurst. So pretty good deal if you're Kelly Grove racing.
0: Mm. I don't yeah. think there's Who any
2: legalities against that, are there? Oh, like, whatever. Surely not.
0: No, you put in
4: whoever you got.
0: Well, yeah.
4: You'd put Reynolds in, wouldn't you?
0: (sighs) No, no, you won't. Never Never heard of him. (laughs) Who are the big losers out of the weekend? Oh, where'd he start? Uh,
2: Wildcards didn't have a particularly good run, did they? Mm. I don't think they were loot. They weren't insignificant. Um, But pretty quiet weekend for for young Kurt and Thomas. Uh, Losers, Team Sydney... Gary Jacobson <laughs> had
4: a 12th. Yeah, so well, Coulthard yeah, Gary had was a, pretty good, wasn't he? Like, yeah. Oh, I thought Gary did a good job. Coulthard had one decent result there on Saturday, and then mm. the world sort of fell apart a bit there. Yeah. Um, it was mainly all those little one percenters. It was Will Brown in the pits. It was Anton's transmission in qualifying. It mm. was the rescinded penalty. What about that one? That was a weird one.
2: Yeah, it was, wasn't it? That, that's a rare. When was the last time that happened in supercars that, that uncle Tim removed a penalty from a car? They all bitch and moan about it on the radio when they get one and it always gets looked at, but it's very rare that it gets pulled back.
0: Was it good to, was it due to a good argument or was they just realized they made a mistake?
2: Oh, well, I mean, they've got the technology to look at this stuff. So, you know, as head of motorsport Adrian Burgess explained during the red flag that they went and looked at the data that they get out of the car and saw that he lifted off the throttle so i i don't mind i don't mind that happening because you'd you'd rather there not be a penalty applied or if there is a penalty applied in error you would rather it be revoked on the spot rather than them doing the penalty and after the race and going oh sorry guys that's that's awkward but actually you were in the right but in conditions like that how do you know that Anton didn't have a massive burst of wheel spin or Any other thousand reasons that the reason they put the DSO cameras in those cars is to unpick after the race. Yeah. That for mine is the interesting thing.
4: They've got the Hawkeye system where they can go and jump on with the onboard straight away anyway. Mm. But where, where was that 1.2 seconds of 45% throttle? Was it right at the top of the straight when he lost Mm. that gap to the car in front? Because it didn't seem to let off substantially going down the straight.
2: No. Like on that onboard, like, it was a, a hesitation, but it wasn't a massive. It didn't it sound like forty percent throttle, did it? No, yeah. no, you're right. And and if it was coming onto the straight, like and that's where he had a it, wobble there. Abs- like- yeah, exactly. I had some oversteer, so it was absolutely torrentially raining. Yeah, it's a quirky one. The irony of it all, of course, is that Triple Eight went and gumbooted themselves afterwards anyway with the pit yep. stop, <laughs> with the the right rear wheel and man on the gun, and again. Like, good decision to make sure the wheel was on so it didn't fall off at warp speed. But ultimately, it cost them a drive-through penalty anyway. So, Shane, that's his worst race of the season. That is – so he finished 13th in race one at Hidden Valley. Outside of that, that is the first time he's finished lower than eighth this season. Lower than seventh this season, I should say, which is remarkable. But he's
0: still over 300 points ahead.
2: Yeah, he could take next weekend off still. So it's remarkable the kind, of, uh, the kind of form that he and the, the Holden Racing team is. And this, this goes back to a point that we've made so many times, is that if one AAA car fails, guess who was there to pick up the pieces? It was old seven time. Jay, Jamie Winkup gets another race win, yeah. 124th of his career. Uh, that's where every other team in the paddock still missing the magic ingredient simple as that triple eight still up. won Keep two of the three up. races yeah yep 100 percent.
0: yeah interesting uh so what happens this week they're obviously well, they're on a different course at city motorsport park they're driving anti-clockwise they're really oh. they do it. oh. up, oh, yeah. i thought you were serious for a moment there Shebeksa.
2: wouldn't it be nice if we were talking about that <laughs>
4: Nope, she's single compound tyres and mm. three daytime races, so you don't even get to do nice things during the day this weekend. It's family yeah. weekend and dress up like a silly bugger or something from the social media.
0: Oh yes, I've seen that. Yeah. How
2: how is that? How I'd, is that family? I don't understand how people I'd dressing s- up in seventies gear is family weekend.
4: <laughs> is it? You're spending two weeks next to that garbage dump in Western Sydney. You just start fumes. losing.
2: Its- it's Flims. the fumes, yeah. Or maybe Get they've here. like maybe they've unknowingly tapped a gas vein over at the <laughs> new speedway they're building. Good photos that have come. Oh, out they're great. Them. Look, it's it's, it's very something. well done, as ever, with Cast Digital team. They're they're high quality operators. We're not you, knocking the no. the skill, but you cannot unsee Jack
4: Smith, can you? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> that is disgusting. <laughs> no.
2: it's, it's a very strange campaign because I would have thought the the vibe they were going for would be a picture of Nick Percat, his lovely girlfriend, and the dog sitting on the hill more than people yeah. dressed up in anchorman gear. I, I don't that, – that's family weekend. I, I, don't, I don't get it.
4: it Percat sitting on the hill what with old mate with the BA Falcon wagon up there in the four-wheel drive course. <laughs> yes. That was classic. Yeah, that, that was
2: a hi- highlight that, of Saturday.
4: <laughs> it went on for hours. It was sensational. Yeah. The coverage just kept crossing back to this BA Falcon bogged on the hill it was very good it was it had been wet How's the droop on the left rear of that thing there? Oh, like, that was full droop it's done two million miles <laughs> and i don't think it's been treated very nicely by no, any of them
2: no it needs to do a deal with patterns to get some new shocks in that thing because i don't think the rear axle is supposed to extend that far on a yeah. on a ba falcon wagon but uh what a what a moment in sports viewing that was so we're <laughs> expecting pretty much of a muchness this weekend Look, she becks. It's hard to see otherwise, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, there's people getting closer. Chaz was closer to the money, wet and dry on the weekend. So that's positive. Tickford, well, again, who knows? I'd love to see Nick Perkat jag another big result. I think he's been outstanding yeah. over the last couple of weeks for Brad Jones racing. And then their other cars have been solid here or there, like Todd Hazelwood had a supreme drive to fifth place in the first race on the weekend. I thought he was good. Um, and uh, jack lebrock had a great weekend didn't he mm. for for Tickford, he was very very competitive in dry conditions and was quicker than cam in race one so but it's hard to see anything at being other than djr versus triple eight at the front of the field it yeah. just what how how is it going to change when we're repeating the same thing i don't want to sound critical because i'm still thankful there's are at motor racing on and we're doing this but um, to expect the definition of insanity, Shebex, is to do the same thing over and over again yes, and expect different results. <laughs> so I'm not sure if we're insane yet, but I feel like we're pretty bloody close. Yeah. That could be their promo. Another insane <laughs> weekend for supercars. Well, I hope it is. I hope there's a massive fracas somewhere. Yeah. Get some, we
0: need some biff. Uh, do we see much biff in the NASCARs, Mark? And And that's our NASCAR segment. (laughs)
4: And it started on Saturday morning, our time with the trucks, and a bit of an Aussie connection there, Ben Rhodes, who in 2012 drove for Marcus Ambrose Motorsport over in the late models over there. George Medici did one season in 2011, I believe. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Ben Rhodes stepped up there and was doing the late models for Marcus. And a decade later, he's now the Truck Series champion, and his indelible mark he left on the uh, on the night was getting absolutely rancidly drunk in the press conference. <laughs> it was great. Right. If you haven't seen it, go and tune into that. Look up Ben Rhodes' press conference, and it's fantastic. Uh, then the next night, Sunday morning, our time was the XFINITY Series. Daniel Hamrick's never won a NASCAR race in his career, and it was a winner takes all, and he wound up winning it in the last 10 metres of the race, him and yeah. Austin Sindrick. It was a fantastic yeah. uh, finish to that one, banging doors over the start-finish line. So, Hemrick won that one for Toyota. And then,
2: that's that's all time, isn't it, for ah, a championship finish? So oh, that good.
4: is outrageous. So good. And, of course, then Monday morning, our time was the Cup Series, and thank goodness Kyle Larson had the win. I mean, he's just absolutely donged them this year. He's been so mm. dominant in everything. So, listen to this for stats. You know, obviously there's 37 NASCAR races in the year, but in total he's done 89 races. He's won 30 of them. <laughs> he's he's uh, won 11 NASCAR Cup Series races, including the All-Star Race. He's won five of the 10 uh, Chase, you know, the the playoff, playoff. races at the yeah. end of the year. He's won 11 sprint car features, 11 late model wins, four midget wins. He won the Chili Bowl, which is the the High top of the the class sort of midget racing. He won the Knoxville Nationals, which is as good as it gets in in the sprint cars. He won the Kings Royal. He won the Prairie Dirt Classic in the late models. What more can he do? I mean, that's that and in NASCAR in
2: NASCAR, Mark, he won on three road, road courses. Road courses, exactly right. So left and
4: right. It's just, it, it is an all time great. He's, he's amassing season. a body of work there, isn't he? Because he's won the yeah. Daytona 24 before. Yep. Goes and has a crack at something else. Put him in the Indy 500. He'll probably win it. It,
2: it keeps getting talked about. And if anyone's going to do the double, the, the Charlotte uh, Indy double, it will be him.
4: And, and he's small. He'll fit in an Indy car fine. He's not one of these big fat mm. NASCAR drivers. He's a short little unit. and. <laughs> it'd be amazing to see because he's just so good. Tony Stewart came out after the race and said that he's the best driver that he's ever seen. And wow. Tony Stewart would, would know. Well, Mario Andretti, who is probably the best driver that there has ever been,
2: uh, has said the same thing, But but he's a, is remarkable.
4: He's a throwback to that era when mm. Mario and AJ Foyt would race NASCARs and Indy cars and Speedway and, and just race anything they could put their backside in. And Kyle Larson's done it all this year. And, He's absolutely smashed them and is a deserving champion.
2: And full credit to Rick Hendrick and Jeff Gordon there for letting him do it too. Oh. They, I mean, they could quite easily. And look, it's different in the States to here. And it's not like Roland telling Shane that he can't go race midgets at um, uh, at, at the speedway there in Auckland. But it's um full credit to them for just letting him go off chops and do whatever he wants to do, which I think is mega.
4: But just the story or redemption there, it's going to be yeah. a 30 for 31 year because... Last year, he got four races in the pandemic hit. He Mm. said something he shouldn't have in one of the E-Series races, got sacked, got benched, wasn't allowed to race for the rest Mm. of the season. Got picked up by Hendrick, who had to self-sponsor the car because he wasn't sponsorable because he was on the outer. And here he is uh, 12 months later, and he's the champ.
2: What are the odds that car is a sponsor next year, do you reckon? <laughs> but the,
4: the problem is for Hendrick, he sold a lot of cars. He's one of the biggest yeah. car dealers Correct. in the US, and he put his name on the side of the car, and he's mm. suddenly sold a whole lot of cars off the back of no. Cole yep. Larson doing well. So He's probably profited to,
2: anyway, yeah.
4: Do you want to put something else on there when you're making more money with your own name on Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good stuff.
0: Anything else we need to talk about, boys?
2: Uh, Mexican Grand Prix wasn't a great race, uh, but, no, um, continues the the plot of the season. So you'd think going into Sao Paulo this weekend, which is not a race I'll be waking up for,
4: uh, it
2: will be Come
4: on 4am, mate. No, oh.
2: you don't, you, I don't have a two year old that gets me up first thing in the morning. So, mm. uh, I'll, I'll sleep through that one. I think watch it on demand. Um, you'd think if Verstappen beats Hamilton there, it's probably game over. What yeah. is it now, 23? <clears throat> yeah, so the, the maths work out that if Verstappen wins Hamilton second in Brazil, Max can finish second to Lewis in every race for the rest of the year and still win the championship. So, And Sao Paulo is a track that will absolutely suit the Red Bull, 100%. So that's going to be real interesting. It's always a crazy old joint. So looking forward to that old-school racetrack, and then they head off to the Middle East to... What are basically three new circuits to Formula One because mm. uh, they go to Qatar, which is they've never raced there. MotoGP yep. has been there. That's going to be on the lights. They go to Saudi Arabia, which isn't built yet, and <laughs> <laughs> it's only four weeks away. <laughs>
4: but is that probably, it's going to be the Bristol Dirt Race at NASCAR, yeah, isn't which it? is which is great. Uh,
2: and then they go to Abu Dhabi for the finale, which has they've reprofiled two of the big stops there. The the main hairpin. At the, you know, after the start-finish straight, I think it's turn yeah. five or six, and then right at the end of the very back straight, they've got rid of um, a really awkward left-right chicane and turned it into a 220K an hour banked sweeper.
1: Nice.
2: So I'm all for that. That seems like a win. If you have a crush there, you end up in the
0: marina. But, hey, anyway. I wonder if so, they ended the go-kart track too, because the go-kart track... It mirrored same, it. Yeah, well,
2: I, I don't think they did. Shebex,
0: yeah. I, I don't I think
2: so, be. but, um, I mean, funny. It, it's an amazing I mean, it's place. Yeah. It's an amazing place that racetrack, but it's a terrible racetrack. So hopefully it, it really, seriously, it is, it's an incredible no, it place really. to visit, but it, as a racetrack, it's a shocker. So hopefully these changes improve it for the grand pricks at the, uh, the end of the year, which will be the Monday morning of, uh, the week after Bathurst, I think from memory. Yeah. Nice. Check out the TV guide at theracetalk.com.
0: All right, boys, Mm. we'll wrap it up. Great work uh, earlier on with Tim. Thank you for that. And we will catch you after week three of Sydney. We'll wrap it all up next week. (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
2: damn, more motor racing.
0: (laughs) Oh, my (laughs) my power rankings arm hurts. (laughs) Maybe we can just play the uh, first part of this chat again next
4: week. See if anyone notices. Yeah, well, they probably, probably won't. What news is going to drop tomorrow? I'm really worried. We're yeah. running out of things that we can predict here. Yeah, we're back on a Tuesday night for recording, so something uh
2: let's, let's just hypothesize quickly. We've got a bit of time. Um, David Reynolds bench for Bathurst.
4: Okay, oh, that's, that, that's that'll spicy. come out. Mm-hmm. That's spicy. Well, if it happens <laughs> now, I'm going to be really worried
2: <laughs> or shot. <laughs> uh, maybe it'll be a calendar. That would be nice wouldn't it be nice to be know where we're racing next year I know there's extenuating yeah. circumstances but uh, well, it's now? november the really? 9th as we
0: talk and there hasn't been a calendar yet which is like no, but is so- there really extenuating circumstances to hold that back now oh well. the, only, the only place it isn't open really now is effectively wa mm. yeah they're going to be open by the in, by the end of january so well i,
2: I think the new owners have uh, have come in and gone make a few little changes. Were
4: you going to say the new owners of Western Australia? (laughs) That's what I thought he meant.
2: (laughs) I thought it was Victoria that
0: was being sold to the Chinese, not the West. (laughs) Stop it. Yeah, uh, hopefully that's not too far away. All right, boys. Catch you next week. Thank you. See ya. And we'll catch you next week too, right here. Thank you for joining us on The Grid.